This morning I want to submit to you that the Bible is not a book to be read per se, but it's a person to be met. And I want to try to help you to understand the importance and the significance of the scriptures by walking you through some of the things that God has shown me over the years as I've pursued him, as I've pursued knowledge and wisdom and understanding. That was freaking awesome, by the way. That was awesome. God is, is with you strong. Um, but I want to I want to help you to get to a place to where you see the scriptures for what they are, and it's not a, a duty for you to get into the scriptures, but it is a necessity for your soul that you feel that when you do without, you feel the pain, you feel the emptiness, you feel the loneliness because you have not stepped away from some book, but you have walked away from a, a, a man, a person, the God man who is after you continually, and this is the way. That he, he speaks, speaks to you. To you. The, the primary way that he speaks to you is through the word of God. God. As, As we get, get into this series, um, the, the next, next few weeks will be really, really cool, I think, for you. Is because I want to I want to show you a lot of different things about the scripture. And, and, and what I want to say before we get into this particular sermon about this particular aspect of scripture. What I want to say is, is that. From the beginning of the well, since we've been planted, what we have done is we've done topical sermons. And I think you can identify that as you've paid attention and you're looking through. Uh, we've talked about the resurrection, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've, we've talked about the birth at Christmas time. We've talked about all types of stuff. We've talked about relationships, friends, husbands, wives, children. We've done topical stuff so far. I don't have a problem with topical preaching, that's fine as long as you do it exegetically and you use the scriptures, but what I do also know is that it's a necessity for us to do some expositional preaching, which is preaching verse by verse as we go through a book of the Bible. And so this is what the well really loves, this is what we want to be about, is we want to preach through the Bible as well as do topical things that we need to address in that moment. And so, and so we don't, we don't, you know, we're not legalistic about it. We don't say all topical or all exegetical or not exegetical, but expositional. We don't say that. What we want to do is we want to follow God's leading. And so some of you are like, oh, man, it's going to take a year to go through a book. Um, but that's not what I'm talking about. The reason that it's necessary, in my opinion, to do some expositional preaching, preaching through whole sections of Scripture, is that it forces me to touch on topics that I might not normally address. If I go through the book of John, or if I go through the book of Philemon, or whatever book that, that God leads us to go through, the thing is, is that we go through the whole book, and we touch every aspect of that scripture, and we cover everything. That way we don't just jump around to different things that, you know, we feel like God's leading us to do, but we can touch it all. Does that make sense? This means yes, this means you're crazy. All right. Just a little explanation there. I want you to be thinking about that as we go through and as I tell you about the importance of the scriptures, that way you can have something to bank that off of, okay? Um, I want to make a push, okay? Uh, we've not done a, a lot of, we have pushed a lot. We, we, uh, we brand, we get out there and we talk and we promote the church and we do things like that. Uh, we do all that we can. What I want for you guys to do is, is, number one, remember the partnership class tonight, okay? If you've been enjoying the well, if you've been coming, you've been listening, you've been taking it in, you know, you've been giving to, I'm telling you, you guys give. And, uh, we had somebody the other day that we were looking at some of the, the giving that you guys have been doing and said, it's crazy how generous the guys are. You've never preached on money. And I've not preached on money yet. 
but you guys are generous. You give. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm, I'm really appreciative of that. But we want to give to you. We want to pour into you. We want to give you a place at the well where you can be used by God in, in some capacity. We want you to partner with us. We want you to come on board. We want you to become part of the family officially. So tonight, this is no laughing matter. Please come. And there's no obligations. Don't feel like you have to, to sign a partnership covenant when you come. But we want, to, we want you to know our particular doctrines. We want you to know our method, our vision. We want you to see the inside. So so if God is so leading you and your family to join us here at the well as a partner, the same thing as a member, we just feel like that it's more than that. You're a partner here. This is what God is doing through us, not this church and you get to be just a member of it. You are the church, okay? So break through tonight, 630. Please come. Please be there. If you sign up or not, that's between you and God, but please come and check it out. Let's fill that place up tonight. And the push that I want to make is you notice, you notice we've taken these ropes down on the sides. We, we at first had this rope off because we didn't want everybody to spread out so much that it felt kind of empty. We wanted to put everybody in the middle so that we could, so that we could feel each other. We could feel the presence. We could have a little bit better relationship. We could, we could worship together. But now we've, we've trusted God and we've opened these sides up here because we're believing that God is going to fill these things up. I want you to look around. We're believing that God will fill these things up. But God, but God is looking, is looking to use you to do that. God is looking to use you to do that. And I'm not going to pull this out of you, but I want to ask you one question. Did you meet God just a second ago? Did you? Let me know by a hand clap. Just if you met God just a second ago. All I'm asking you to do is invite other people to come and see God. Because I'm telling you right now, that worship, I, just, I was in the presence of God and he broke my heart just a second ago. Please invite others to come and experience God so that we can love on them, so that we can share Jesus with them. Let's fill these sides up. Can you help me with that? Can you help me with that? Let's do that. I'm not telling you to lie. I'm not telling you to make something up. If you love your church and if you love what God's doing, tell somebody about it. Tell somebody about it. He'll bless you for it. All right, as we get into this series on the Word of God, the, the Holy Scriptures, these 66 different books, over 30,000 verses, as you saw, we want to we get into this, and I want to help you to understand the Scriptures, some different aspects of the Scripture. Today, we're going to be talking about the authority of the Scripture. We're going to be talking about the authority of the Scripture, because what I'm doing is, I'm standing up here, and I'm telling you that you need to go and submit to the words that are in this book. Book. You need to go and submit to the person and work of Jesus Christ that is told about in this book. And so you should ask a question. I believe in a reasoned faith. You should ask a question. Why should I trust this book? There are billions of books in the world. Why this one book? Why does that, why does that matter to me? You shouldn't just say, oh, well, everybody says that you should read the Bible, so I guess you should read the Bible. Place to start, sure, go read the Bible. But that should not be your only evidence of why you live your life. I mean, if you are truly a Christian, if God is truly working in your life, and he's moving you and motivating you and molding you and shaping you according to this word, then you should know why you believe this word. If we say that we're Christians, the word that literally means little Christ, then you should know what it is that you believe. If you're going to wrap your life around something, then you need to know about that something. 
And so today we're going to talk about the authority of Scripture. You see, you've got to have a place to receive. You've got to have one point out there that is the end of what you will listen to. You've got to have something to test everything else by. You see, we live in a postmodern age. And in the postmodern age, everything is seemingly made out to be relative. And so so what what they they say say is is that you've you've got got your truth, I've got my truth, truth doesn't really matter, it doesn't really exist, there is no one particular truth, but there's a whole bunch of truths out there. You believe yours, I believe mine, and we're all good. But there's huge problems with that, and we don't we don't have time to get into all of these things today, but there's huge problems with that because of conflicting truths. Okay? Because of conflicting truths. If, if, if I believe one thing and you believe something that says that mine is false, then they cannot both be true. And so we need to recognize that there is absolute truth. There has to be a stopping point. There has to be a place that says, this is it. This is the rule, and it doesn't just apply to me in my life or you in your life, but this is an overarching truth that connects all of us together, and we are all subject to, we are all under the authority of, we are all under the influence of this one truth. You just need to recognize and see what that truth is. I was trying to think of a way to to kind of set this in your heart and to kind of give you a visual picture of of the importance of having one truth, one voice that that comes out and it reaches down to you and it says, okay, I'm with you and I will help you to distinguish between the false voices that are coming at you all the time, between the lies that are coming at you all the time, This This is is the standard, standard, and and all of these other things, you need to bank or or bounce off of this. You need to test it by this. This is the one absolute, it's never wrong. And so I was thinking, and God laid this story on my heart. I was, we was coaching a baseball, I'm the coach of my oldest son's baseball team, Titus, he's five, and that is fun, frustratingly fun. If you've you've ever ever tried tried to coach, coach, actually, we we got got four-year-old on the team. We've got a young four-year-old. I was trying to think one of them might be three, but I think four, five, and six-year-olds on the team. And if you've ever tried to coach three, four, five, and six-year-olds, you know what I'm saying. It's frustratingly fun. And so we have some of them that I'll tell them to do something. We have this one guy, I promise you, he's just messing with me. Because I'll tell him, okay, all right. We don't, we don't walk, walk on the baseball, baseball field. field. Run, run. run. He'll, He'll run, run three steps, steps, turn around, and go. go. I'm like, come on, man. You know, help me out here. The other people are waiting. You know, they're tapping the bat on the ground. I'm like, hurry. <laughs> He's not going to run, you know. But what, what, I, what I find is, is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many times you tell them it doesn't matter how loud you yell until they distinguish the one voice that is the authority on the field from every other voice they cannot listen they cannot listen and so we get them in trouble not real trouble but we get them in pickles okay we get them in looking silly because the other day i'll never forget we had one of the boys who he's our leadoff hitter he comes up and we, we have, have excited, excited parents. parents. I've got, I got great, great parents. parents. I'm, I'm telling you, they are great. They help. 
He comes up to the bat. I'm the pitcher, you know, and I feel different. I pitch him one, and bang! He hits it past second base into the outfield. And usually, unless you're playing a great team, when it goes into the outfield past second base, it's very good possibility that's a home run. On the, on the ground, ground you know, because, because the, the kids, kids, you know, they go out there and roll on there, hold on the ball. So, so it, you know, he might have a home run. So, so he comes around, he hits first, first he's, he's running. running. Now, by, by this time, there's three of us yelling, go, go, home run, home run. So he's, he's trucking, he's trucking. He touches second base. By this time, there's six. Parents have joined in. Other parents have joined in. Go, go, go. And I'm over on the sideline going, yeah, go. He's, he's running, running, he's running, he rounds third. Well, well this was a pretty good, good team. team. So, so they, they had, had made the throw in, the, the ball, ball had went past us into home plate because nobody caught it. it. The, 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 the catcher, catcher who they sent over there catches the ball now and he's, he's coming toward third. And our player is coming toward third this way. And when he touches third, four of the people say, stop! Four other people go, Go! <laughs> and he goes. Well, the guy ran up, tagged him out, and he was out. Should have had a home run. Maybe should have had a home run, but at least should have had a triple. You know what? It's funny how God works. Because as I was doing this sermon and working a lot of this stuff out, I was, I was trying, trying to think, you know, how to go about distinguishing. And it actually, this sermon helped me with my baseball team. Because when I'm, I, we've got uh, practice coming up soon, I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to say, look, here's what we've got to do. We've got, everybody's got to be quiet. You can cheer. You can, you can, you know, say, go, go, go. Way to go, good job. But everybody's got to be quiet except for me and maybe my other coaches. Not because, Not because I'm not great, great, but because, because they've got to have one voice to listen to. You've got to have one voice to gauge everything else by. And, and see, in the end, end, if he, he makes that, that wrong turn, if he gets, gets tagged out, if he does whatever, that's my fault. I'll take that. I was leading him. I'll take that. You see, it's the same way with the Scripture. You've, You've got, got to find one, one voice that's crying out. Because, because by show of hands, of hands how many of you are being pushed, pulled, and, and, and run around in every different direction by the world? Everybody's, Everybody's telling you a million different things. things. Amen. Amen. They are me too. So we've so got to have, have that one authority to look at and to say, okay, this, this is my one thing. thing. Now, now I can hear you. Okay, you tell me what you need to tell me. You tell me what you need to tell me. No, I don't even want to listen to you. Okay, you know, you go away. Okay, no, you're up, you're good. You see, you've got to have that one thing that we look at and we test everything by. So that's what I want to. I want to get into that today. We're we're in First John chapter one. A long intro, but I needed to set some of that up because that'll affect us for the next several weeks as we walk through. The, the word, word of God, God and looking at the word. We're in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. We're looking at the authority of the scripture today. And before um, I read this, what I want to do, some, some people pray after the scripture. I want to pray before because I want to ask God to come uh, through the Holy Spirit and to open your minds and to open your hearts and to speak through me to help you to understand the word. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for what you've done for us, how you 
moving us, how you moved here earlier, God, through the words that they were singing about you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would send the Holy Spirit, that he would break down walls, that he would break chains that bind us to our own uh, simple little minds and our own cultures and our own generation. God, that we would get outside of ourselves, that we would allow you to come in and speak revelation into our hearts. God, that you would write your word on our hearts, that you would help us to freely receive your word. God, I pray uh, that you would hide me behind the cross. God, that you would proclaim your word through my mouth, God, because I alone am and by no means worthy. I fail every day, and God, I'm trying to press into your word as well. So we pray that your word would go forth today, and not anything, uh, agendas of mine or any of these here, God, but your word would go forward, and that it would not return void like you promised, that we would explode, not because numbers are necessarily important, but because souls are important, and you are worthy of their worship. So God, we pray for a push. We pray that you would fill this place up with worshipers. We pray that you would fill this place up with disciples. We pray that you would fill this place up with people who get filled up, then go back out there and bring more in because you are worthy of worship. Jesus, you are worthy of worship. Jesus, you are worthy of worship. And so we pray this morning that we would worship you in acts, in deeds, in words, and in every other way. In Jesus' name. Please bless the reading of your word. Amen. John chapter 1. Talking about the authority of the scripture. 1-1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's short. Let me read it one more time. Let the word sink in. I want everybody, if you are willing, to say, please, God, let the word sink in. Please, God, let the word sink in. One more time all together. Please, God, let the word sink in. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When I read that scripture, several things jump out at me, but a few things smack me right in the face. The first point I want to make is, and the first question I want to ask, this is what I like to do when I go through the scriptures, not always, but a lot of the times is, I need to, I want to ask questions of the text. I want to ask questions. What is this saying? What is this doing? What is God teaching? What did Jesus say? And the first question I want to answer out of this text is, when did the scriptures start? When did the scriptures start? You see, we need to, to understand that when we, when we look at what we need to to, to bounce everything else off of, when we look at what we need to test everything by, we need to get to a place of something with greater experience than us, something with, with greater relativity than us, something that looks beyond us and something that looks past us, behind us, something that is stretched over all time, all space, and all things. And the Bible is very clear. It said, in the beginning was the Word. Did you catch that? In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. 
If you go and look at and break this language down, what he's saying is the word was there before the beginning. It was definite. The word was there. Then the beginning came. You see, there is no beginning to the word. The word is eternal. The word is everlasting. The word stretches way farther than me, and it stretches way farther than you, and it sees every instance of life that you could possibly imagine, and it speaks into it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. You see, if we look back and we, we use that same illustration as on the baseball field, these kids, they have very limited experience on the baseball field. And I'll go ahead and tell you this right now, is that if a kid has baseball knowledge and baseball wisdom, he is, he is more, more valuable, valuable at that age than a kid who's extremely talented. Because, because he knows, knows what to do with the ball when he gets it. it. He, he may, may not be able to make the throw from third to first, but he knows to throw it from third to first. Does that make sense? We need something that's outside of us. And when we get on this level with these kids, they have, even the, even the smartest at this level, they have very, very, very limited experience. So, so they, they need, need someone, someone speaking to them with, with more experience. experience. This, this is where I come in, in or, or the other coaches come in. in. You, you see, God, God is eternal, and he is from the very beginning. It says the word was with God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. So the, the scriptures have experiential authority. They were there not at the beginning, but before the be beginning ever started. You can trust this book. It's tried, tested, and true. This has seen everything thrown at it from burning to uh, condemnation. This book is illegal in several countries, and it's not going anywhere. The Word of God stands when everything else falls. It is eternal. You can trust it. You can trust it. You can, you can look, look in here and you can, can find the answers to life's problems. problems. We gotta, we gotta catch, catch 22, 22 right there because, because a lot, lot of people as they read the scriptures, scriptures they, they look at the scriptures and they say, and I know you've heard this many times, times not knocking any preacher who said this because, because in, in some ways, ways it's true, is that the Bible is a road book to life. The Bible is a road map to your life. Okay, okay, I can, I can see, see why, why people would say that, that but you need to understand, understand that this book is not primarily about how you should live. live. This, this book, book is not primarily about how you should live. Does it have implications of how you should live? Absolutely. Are there commands in here that we need to obey? Absolutely. But we need to understand why we need to obey those commands. We need to understand how this affects us in how we walk. We need to understand how this plays itself out in our life. You are not to read this book, and this might be very controversial, so listen up really good. You are not to read this book and say, what is this telling me to do right now? If, if I can, I can just, just do what, what this book says, then I'll be okay. okay. If, if I, I can follow all these commands, where was that command about tattoos? Where was, where was that, that command about earrings? Where was that command about suits? Where was that command about virgins? Where was that command about alcohol? Not having any. Where was that command about, listen, you can go through this book right here, and you can pick out all the rules that you want, you can follow them to a T, you're still going straight to hell if you don't know Jesus Christ. Would I qualify for Hellfire and Brimstone? <laughs> Listen, I'm not here to make behavioral changes in your life. 
God is not looking to make behavioral changes in your life. We had a sermon one time where my mama's life got changed. I don't even know if she's in here. There she is. Where my mama's life got changed and something stuck out to her that I had said. That I, you know, I remember saying it, but it wasn't that big a deal to me. And she held on to this. I might misquote it a little bit. She can correct me later. She said that I said that you can't go around smacking people in the face with the Bible and think it's going to change anything. You can't go around and say, well, what are you doing? Oh, my God. Look how many things you got. Wesley, brother. Oh. Did you see Leviticus? Are there, are there things in here that we need to look at and look back at ourselves? Is this book a mirror? It is. But why is it a mirror? Why does it have authority? How can a book be eternal? This is not a baseball bat for sinners. It is the story of the one who came to rescue sinners. That deserves an amen. This is the story of Jesus. This is not a primarily a roadmap for your life because we can wiggle around that. If you want to say this is a roadmap to how you get to Jesus, cool, I'm down with that. It's got all the directions to Jesus Christ. But if, but if you're, you're saying, saying that this is a roadmap, you, you need to follow the, the, the signs along the way so that you can one day arrive at a peaceful relationship with God and Jesus is nowhere in there, that's wrong. I love the Bible, but we've got to understand it. We have to have, let's get back to the authority, we have to have this transcending truth that goes above all of us. And I'm just going to touch on this real quickly because... In Landrum, in Campobello, Polk County, it's not as prevalent because I, I, I enjoy philosophical stuff and discussions, and so I've talked to several people um, about this, but this is very prevalent outside of the Bible Belt, and, and even if you get into Greenville, Asheville, um, big time, is this idea that all truth is relative, and there is no one hardcore absolute truth that dominates over you and I together. So what happens is, is that, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here saying, you know, that abortion is wrong, and Travis is saying abortion is right, and, and somebody from the outside says, no, you're both right. It's right for you and right for you and, and whatever. But there's a big problem with that. Because, because you see, Christianity, Christianity is actually in the face of everything else. If there's not one truth, then all truth crumbles. You see, the fact that, that I look at you and say, all truth is relative. Well, then what if I just look back at you and say, well, then you mean nothing. Stop talking. Because that's a truth claim. If I say that all truth is relative, there is no one truth. Well, you just told me one truth, that all truth is relative. It collapses onto itself. So, so we, we need, need to look, look and we need, need to say, well, what, what is the, the one truth? truth? And, and I'll tell you, the, the best progress, progress, I got this guy that I've been, been talking to for a long time, been trying to minister to him, try, and he, he doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't believe in, he doesn't, he doesn't, disbelieve, well, he doesn't disbelieve in Jesus, but he just believes that, that everybody should do whatever they want to do and, and leave each other alone, and that's fine. Just don't talk to me about your faith. Don't talk to, me, to you about my faith or my lack of faith or anything like that. You know the most progress I've made with this guy up till now? is, is making, making him call me a liar. liar. I, felt I felt like that was progress. Because if he tells me a lie, we were, we're having a conversation. conversation. His, his truth says that there are lots of different truths. truths. My, my truth says that there's one truth, truth and his truth, truth is a lie. And, and so, so I told him, him you, you cannot, cannot believe yours and believe mine. 
So you've got to say I'm wrong. He said, well, you're wrong. I said, amen. Because now at least we've established the fact that there is truth. How can we ever find the truth if we can't establish that there is truth? We've got to get to truth. And so, and so we, we look, look at the, the Word of God, and, and we, we will, will next week we're going to talk about the reliability of Scripture. We won't get to get into a lot of the evidences of the reliability of Scripture today, but please come back next week and bring a friend. We're going to talk about the logical evidences. We're going to talk about the psychological evidences, spiritual evidences. Why, how can you trust this? Today I'm telling you that you should trust this and showing you a few ways. Next week we're going to talk about why you can trust it and, and evidences for it, okay? So right, so right now, now we're, we're looking, looking at, at we, we need to look at something, something overarching us. us. We've, We've got, got to have truths that connect all of us because, because let's, let's just go, go ahead and face it. it. You, you can, can say what's true for you is true for you and what's true for me is true for me, but that really doesn't work. Because if, again, if Travis says, well, I believe that people shouldn't take wallet. And I believe, and I say I believe people should not give me yours. All of a sudden, his truth is right and my truth is wrong. He's not going to give me his wallet. You see, see, some some truths are just truth. Genocide is just wrong. Killing babies is just wrong. Wiping out whole nations with nuclear bombs, it's just wrong. It doesn't matter who says it's right. It's wrong. Murder is wrong. So there is truth. There is truth. Look on down, and we're about to go to the second point, but look on down here in... John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. Do you notice that transition there? When it went from talking about a, um, a non-living thing, the Word, to an actual pronoun that is possessed, you, you see it, he says, He, He was in the beginning with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. I've got something to share with you right now that might blow your mind, or you might just say amen. Jesus Christ wasn't on, the, the Scriptures wasn't just about Jesus. They didn't just teach about Him, and I do believe that. I believe that with all of my heart, and we'll continually try to show you that from the Old Testament. I love to do that. But all of Scripture is not just about Jesus. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the Word. Did you catch that right there? It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So you see, I'm not just telling you that there's a book with some rules in it that transcends over time and culture, and you need to look at the book, and you need to follow the rules. What I'm telling you is, is that Jesus Christ himself chose to reveal himself through this word right here, and he was in the beginning before the beginning ever happened. This is the word of God. This is Jesus Christ as it goes forth. Let me show you something in Genesis chapter 1 that you might not have thought of before. Maybe you did, but I want you to listen to this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, God said, let there be light. What was the initiating of creation? What happened to make creation happen? What happened? God said. He spoke words. 
You see, the Trinity is there. It says that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the water. God was there. His word went forth. Jesus Christ was the one who was sent forth by God out of his mouth. Jesus Christ is the one who put all of these things together. We see that in this text as well. It says that all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. You see, when I'm standing up here preaching the Bible, please don't think that I'm standing up here with a set of good rules and good stipulations that if you would do these things, you might have a good life. Jesus Christ is coming out of my mouth right now. Who would be touched by him today? Jesus Christ comes out of your mouth through the word of God. Jesus Christ goes forward and changes lives through the word of God, not because they're convinced of the truth, but because they are filled up by Jesus Christ. His word will not return void. The scriptures are more than just true statements that transcend culture. The, the truth of the scriptures finds itself in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word. Number two. What did the scriptures do? What did the scriptures do? And we, we went back, we read Genesis chapter 1. When God spoke, when the word came forth, what did they do? It said, let there be light, and there was light. When the word goes forth, life happens. When the word goes forth, life happens. And so please, I'm not sitting up here saying, you need to memorize a good book. This is a good one. What, what I'm, I'm telling, telling you is, is, is that, that you need to let the word of God come inside of you so that when you speak to those around you who are lifeless and dead and dark, that the word that would come out of your mouth would breathe life into people. Do you remember on Resurrection Day on Easter, do you remember the, the text that I read to you, Ezekiel chapter 37, the Valley of Dry Bones? Do you remember? And Ezekiel there is a foreshadowing of the Son of Man who would come bearing the word of God. And the Bible said that he told Ezekiel, it says, prophesy to the wind, prophesy to the breath, prophesy to the Spirit, speak words, call forth the Spirit, call forth the light. And there was a great rumbling and a shaking, and the bones stood up and bones to its bone and flesh came on them. And then it said, speak to the breath, speak to the wind, because they were there, but they were dead. And he spoke to the spirit, and the spirit came in, and it was for the first time, life. You see, the word of God goes out, and life happens. Since I've been here at the well, you don't get attacked until you start doing something. That's why a lot of you are being attacked right now. That's why a lot of you are being attacked right now. It's because you're on fire for God, you're moving for God, and Satan is not happy. But since I've been here, I've been, I've been accused of just putting on a show here and not speaking truth, not, not preaching from the Bible. Well, I'll tell you right now, that's a lie. Because I know all well and good that if I get up here and I put on a dog and pony show, that there's nothing going to happen except you laughing. But if, but if I, I get, get up, up here and I speak, speak the word of truth and the, the word of God goes forth, people, people start coming from death into life. life. Amen? And, and we've, we've seen that. Don't tell me. Now, I'm not the best preacher, best preacher in the world, but I know that that book, all we got to do is sit up here and read it. And I know that I'm no good. I know I'm a sinner. I know I got a record. I know I got a past. That's what's so good. It's because it ain't me. It's the Bible. 
And you can't tell me that we're not doing God's will here. It's because I see you, and I see you, and I see you, and I see you, and I see God moving. And life doesn't happen apart from the Word of God. It does. So I will not apologize. I will not apologize because we're preaching Scripture here. They're preaching Scripture in Kidwell. They're doing Scripture at Overflow. Now, I will say this, and I'm going to get off of it. How do I? I don't want to. I'm just going to. I don't care. Okay. Look at my wife. She's, I promise she's like this right now. Don't, don't everybody turn around and look. I know there is, there is this thought, there's this mentality, and you can go and find scriptures to make this seem true. And, and if that's what people want to believe and, and practice in whatever church it is, that's cool. But there's this thought that seems like unless people don't have fun in church, then it's illegitimate that the church is wrong. That if, if people like you and people are intrigued and people enjoy it, then it's wrong. Well, to see Jesus move, okay. I've been accused of being entertained, and this is the last thing I'll say, I promise. But, but to, to me, the, the Bible, Bible is very entertaining. entertaining. Amen. Is it to you? Do you love to hear the word of God? Is, is it, it very entertaining? It is to me. Now, is it very hard to hear sometimes? Do we talk about hell? Do we talk about sin? We do. And is that tough? But I love, I love the Bible. Yeah, it's entertaining to me too. So there, I said it. All right. What the scriptures do is they go forth and they, they create. They make life happen. Life happens, and that's very entertaining to me, too. I love to see life happening. I love to see people doing life. I love to see people confessing sin. I love for people to come down here, and when, when we're worshiping and God's moving, and grab a hold of me, and I was like, what in the world's going on? And uh, did she leave? There, yeah, hey, I'll tell you what right now is that the Holy Spirit had touched her, and she, you, I'm telling you right now, she grabbed me, and I thought that somebody had set me down in a saw chair. I I'm telling you, that's entertaining. When somebody comes down, I love it. It makes me excited. It makes me smile. You see my teeth. I love it. I love it when, when life happens, when the Holy Spirit gets to moving, and we might get back to coastal in here. I don't care. I love to see God moving. I love it. I love it. The scripture goes forth. This is one of my favorite scriptures right here. In Hebrews chapter 4, um, chapter, uh, verse 12, it says that the word of God is living and, and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce through the bone all the way down past everything all the way down into the hearts it's able to see it's able to get down in it's able to it's able to open you up and, and take a good look it's amazing it's amazing to me that the word of God is so unappreciated at times even by me by you by us Listen to this. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharp on any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, uh, of 
joints and of the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You know what happens? Man, I wish I had all day. You know what happens? We can, we can take the word and take God out and take Jesus out of it, take the grace out of it, and we can take it and be like, Leviticus 3. And we'll be like, you should have listened. Or we can open them up, we can find Jesus in the scriptures, we can, we can speak Jesus, and Jesus comes out and he goes, and, and, and you know what? It's amazing to me that when the word goes out, people will come up to you and they'll say, Oh my God, God spoke to me and he's revealed this, 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 and this. And you're sitting there thinking, I'm sitting there thinking, that ain't what I preached on at all. But praise the Lord. When God's word goes forth, it pierces down. It finds where you're weak. It's fi- it finds where you're struggling. It finds where, where, you, where you need some strength. And it speaks life into that thing. It gives you what you need. It actually goes in and it makes way for God to come. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, it says that, Behold, I will take out of you your heart of stone, and I will place it with a heart of flesh. Do you know the scalpel he uses to open that man up? the word of God he does surgery with the word of God and as I speak and as you sit and as you listen and as the word comes into you as the Bible is read as the Bible is expounded is it just rules coming out or is it Jesus coming in you, you, you see, if I'm just sitting up here telling you how to live your life, you need to do these things, which that is part of it. But what I need to do is at the end of, of telling you these good practical applications of the Word of God, I need to come back and say, this is how Jesus fulfilled it, and you enter in through Him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. If you try to do these things yourself, you will fall on your face, and it will hurt harder than you did the first time. It's all about Jesus. You see, see, Jesus Jesus Christ Christ comes comes forward forward at the beginning of time, and and as God speaks out Jesus, as God sends Jesus, and Jesus starts to form and create, he creates a perfect universe that is perfect, and he brings light, and he brings animal, and he brings fish, and he brings the ocean, and darkness and light, and all these wonderful things. And he says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Then he makes man in his likeness and his image, and he says, it's good. Then he makes man and woman, says they were both naked, and says it's very good. <laughs> Isn't it funny how God has a certain sense of humor? All the time. He's doing this all the time. And as his, as his word goes forth, and it creates and it makes, then the fall of man comes. Then the fall of man comes. And it's like it takes, and if I didn't love this Bible, I still wouldn't do it. But it's, but, it's like, like, but it's like the, the sin, sin comes, and, and it starts ripping pages out of the Bible, and it starts to rip the Bible in half. It breaks that peacefulness. It breaks that perfection. It breaks that very good. Only when the man and woman was naked was when he said it was very good. I thought that was very good. But then when, it, when sin comes, they hid themselves, and they were shamed for the first time. So what what God done is he sent Jesus in the flesh as a man to restore the word of God, to restore the shalom, to restore all humanity, all creation. He's making a new heaven and a new earth, and it will be great. I'm telling you, he changes things. These guys are going to help me out with a little demonstration of how he changes things. Come on up, guys.
You know, it's amazing to me here at the well of what he's doing. I told the guys this morning, there were 240 people here last week, and everybody's like, you about the numbers? You about the numbers? You about the numbers? Well, not really. I mean, I like numbers, but because numbers are souls, and souls love Jesus when they meet him, and he's worthy of worship. But you know, it's not just about the number. There were 240 people here last week. And, and the, the cool, cool thing, thing is, is that, that as, as I look around, around, I see people that I never would have thought I would have saw in church. Never in a million years would I have thought I would have seen them in church. Never. And I have other people telling me, do you believe they're here? That's a compliment. Yeah, praise the Lord. Praise God. And so we went to the sports camp yesterday where we got to minister to a bunch of kids. It was like 180, 200 kids. I can't remember what it was. But we had to do background checks. You know, everybody's like, Brandon, you know. I said, no, trust me, I know. And so, you know, everybody had to do background checks, and we had a couple calls, you know, what about this guy? Has he really changed? I said, no, yeah, he's good. God's working in his life. It's amazing. And so we had, had lots of questions, though. Um, but I told him when he called, I said, look, just look at my record. Look on my, look on my background check. And don't, don't expect anything else out, out of the other people. Now, we had several girls. They, they don't have records, records and that's, that's cool. cool. Mark is a good friend of mine. Mark's one of the elders at the church. The first time I ever met Mark, I actually met him in the middle of the woods. And uh, this guy came walking up, and he had a, you know, he's a pretty big guy. Had on a sleeveless shirt, you know, his uh, working pants and a big 45 on his side. And I was like, what's up, man? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Right away, I thought, man, that's a guy I can follow. I mean, country, you know, farm. he loves his farm. He killed like 18 deer last year, you know, tough guy. Um, John Dimitri, good friend of mine. I haven't known John as, as long, but uh, I know that John, he loves Jesus, and Jesus has changed his life. He's got a record. Um, you know, John was one of the ones that was like, I don't know, man. But, uh, you know, John, uh, he's, he's got a record. He's a carpenter, tough guy, builds houses and does renovations. Thomas came, and you can see Thomas got tattoos. I got a tattoo, and, you know, Thomas thought, man, you know, you know I, have, I was in prison. You know, <laughs> you, know you think they're going to let me? I was like, man, we'll work it out, okay? And uh, Thomas, he, he drives a tow truck, you know, uh, jacking people's cars when they don't pay. Uh, so you better pay your bill or Thomas going to come see you. Uh, Repo, uh, Brandon, is uh, he's a carpenter, works at uh, Blue Ridge Log Cabins, heaves up. Logs all day long, runs chainsaws, has a history of drugs and whatever else. God changed him. Robert, he's an assistant chief of the fire department. Me and him have been into several burning buildings before together. Tough as nails that guy is and a hard worker. Um, he's got a past too. And um, all of these guys, that's what I was talking about. And as I was, this is what God's word does as I was going uh, at this camp yesterday. And uh, we, we were working with these kids. I just thought, man, you know, there was questions about who I was bringing to this thing because they had records. But you know what? When God's word goes forth, when God's word, word goes forth into these guys' lives, it makes changes. It makes hard hearts soft. It makes tough men gentle. And it, it makes, makes gentlemen tough. But, but you know, it was amazing as these guys were at that camp the other day and I saw how God had worked in their lives. You know how I knew God had worked in their lives? Because these hardened, some of them criminals, other tough guys were doing this.
God absolutely changes lives. Yeah, awesome. Well, she's like, you gonna play what song? Hey, but I'll tell you what. I don't even. I don't even want time for this. It's time for me to shut up. But I'll tell you what. When I looked over and I saw Tom said, it was Thomas. God put that idea in my mind. When I looked over and I saw Thomas, and he's got tattoos on him, you know, and he's got pimples on his legs, shaved head, he's looking all over there, you know. Till the song came on him. You know, and I thought, man, God is good. You know what I'm saying? And he was loving on those kids. He had to leave earlier, early, and he came over and he's like, all right, now, listen, I've got five kids over here. These are their names. You need, you need to make, to make sure that you're paying attention to them, watch them good, tell them to make sure, you know what I'm saying? He was concerned about those kids. What I'm telling you is, is that when the word of God goes forth, people change. People change. Amen. We don't need to put on a big show. We don't need to do any of that stuff. We need to preach the word of God. But we, we have fun doing it, right? We have fun doing it. Uh, got another point. Um, I'll, I'll do, do it really, really fast because it's important. How do the, the scriptures work? How do the scriptures work? We already touched on this a little bit, so it won't take long. The scriptures work because the scriptures are Jesus. How do the scriptures work? The scriptures work because the scriptures are Jesus. You see, they are not just about Jesus, but they are Jesus. You see, if, if I just, I just get, get all these guys, guys together, together, if I just get all you together, together and I say, let's, let's have fun, let's have a good time, that's fun. We will, we'll probably have a good time. You know, there's a lot of cool, interesting people here. We can have a good time. But if the word of God doesn't go out and if the gospel is not preached, then none of this matters. You see, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He came and put a human suit on. He became a man. The word became flesh and he dwelt among us. He walked among us just like me and just like you. And as he dwelt among us, he, he moved the word of God from out there, unaccessible, to in here, accessible and revitalizing. You see, Jesus Christ, and, and this is where, this is, I guess if we had a theme, our theme at the well would be, we are seeking thirsty people to give them a drink of Jesus so that they can pour him back out. But you know what we're looking to do? Is we're looking to overcome legalism. We're looking to overwhelm religion. And I'm not scared to say that. I don't care. We're looking to overwhelm legalism, and we're looking to overcome religion. Because what they do is they rob the Word of God of all of its power, and they put it as a burden onto those who cannot live up to its stipulations. But these were not given to be burdens on you, stipulations that you might live by in order to achieve a relationship with God, but they are to show you and drive you to your knees in the adoration and exaltation of the one who upheld the scripture on your behalf because you couldn't. There are laws, there are rules, there are regulations, but they were fulfilled by the man who hung on the cross and he died. You see, a lot of people would look at me and say, but preacher, you're making a joke out of Jesus and you're taking away the power of sin if you say following the rules doesn't matter. 
Well, I'm not sitting here saying that following the rules doesn't matter. Following the rules matters so much that when you didn't follow the rules, they hung God on a cross and they beat the hell out of him. They ripped the flesh off of his bones. They pulled him down from the cross as he died, being beaten for your sins. You broke the rules. I broke the rules. And they hung him. They killed him because of it. That's how important it was. And they put him in the ground because of the rules. But But since since he had had not broken the rules, then he was was falsely condemned. He was was falsely killed. He died without without reason so that you could live without reason. It's unreasonable that Jesus Christ would have done what he did. It's unreasonable to think that you could get into a perfect heaven as imperfect as you are. It's, It's unfathomable. I can't understand why he did it. But it was love. And I'm not saying that rules don't matter. They matter so much that Jesus was murdered because of them. What I'm saying is, don't murder yourself when Jesus was already murdered. I'm not here looking to lynch you with the Bible. I'm here to set you free through the grace of Jesus Christ. And the last thing I'll say is is that as I preach that way, As As I I preach preach that that way, way. as As I I preach preach freedom, freedom. as As I I preach fulfillment of the law, as As I I preach preach grace, and I'll I'll preach it till I sweat, it's scary. It's scary because you could take that the wrong way and do whatever you want to do. See, they had that same problem in Paul's day. They said, well, if by grace we are saved, then is the law useless? No, the law is perfect. It's wonderful. But you see, the law is a funny thing because if you go and you try to follow the law in order to gain acceptance with God, it will kill you. It will be a, a weight that you cannot bear and it will smash you. But if you go to God in order to get fulfillment in the law, it will be a pleasure. And John writes that that this is love that we follow his commands and and they're not burdensome to us. It's not burdensome to us. You see, it is important the way that you live your life. But what's more important is the motivation of the things that you do. If Jesus Christ had came into your life, I don't have to sit here and tell you, do not steal, do not murder, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not. I need to let you know those things. I need to share those things with you. But Jesus Christ will send his spirit. He's a better teacher, John chapter 14. And he will come in and he will show you all these things. And no longer will the Ten Commandments be a set of rules by which you live, but it will be a description of the person that God has turned you into. Today may just very well be the day that the word of God came forth and created life inside of you. As you came in here today, did you feel like dry, dusty bones? Are you looking for a good, thirst-quenching drink of the Holy Scriptures? Has the Word of God, which is living and active and sharp than any two-edged sword, come out and pierced through your hardness to reveal you for who you are? We stand on the Word of God. We stand by the Word of God. We stand firm in the Word of God. We're all about the Word of God. But we cannot live out the Word of God 
I'm not trying to change your behavior. I'm trying to show you the one who came to change your heart. I want you all to stand on your feet. And we've got our partnership class tonight, so this is what I want to do. I want to offer salvation to you today. I want to offer salvation to you today. For all who confess Jesus Christ and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so the word of God goes forth and it creates life. Every eye closed and every head bowed. Listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. Seek and you will find. Jesus Christ is not hiding and he's not running. He is here to make a man out of you. He is here to make a woman out of you. He is here to give life, life everlasting. And the word of God goes forth. It's not about the show. It's not about the numbers. It's not about the rules. It's about the grace of God, the one who came to fulfill the law on your behalf so that you wouldn't have to. Who here would say, I recognize that I cannot uphold these laws? Who here would say that I recognize that I've been trying for a long time? Who here would say, I realize that I've been influenced by wrong preaching, maybe with good intentions, but wrong preaching on hard laws? And today, I want to give my sins to Jesus Christ who came to pay the price. If that's you, I want you to slide your hand up so we can pray for you. There's one, there's two. This is a salvation call, there's three. Who else would say, there's four. Who else would say that today is the day of salvation because my price has been paid? My price has been paid. I am no longer guilty under condemnation for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, which as it was with the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man, that he might pay the price. Five. The word of God has gone forth. For now there is no condemnation. And if that was you that accepted that call as the word went forth, there is now nothing that can separate you from the love, from the love of Christ, from the love of God in Christ. Not death, nor life, or anything in between. Height, nor depth, or anything can separate us from the love of God. Any more? Last call. Salvation today. Jesus has paid the price. This is not a book of rules, but it is about a man, about a God-man, who came and lived and died and rose again in your place. The Word of God has gone forward. Last call. Anybody else? If you raised your hand for new life today, please, Please do not leave this building today until you see somebody with the well. Not because that's part of the salvation, but because we want you to 
give the glory to God. We want to speak to you. We want to give you some materials. We want to give you the opportunity to share what you have done. As a matter of fact, can if you want and if you made that decision, can you just move toward the back of the sanctuary? Who would be so brave as to step out? There they go. And God is good. 